What does it feel like to stand in someone else's shoes? To see the world truly from their perspective and to understand their point of view more deeply and fully? This is the question we asked ourselves that led to the creation of Applied Empathy. I'm Michael Ventura, the founder of Subrosa, a strategy and design practice that uses empathy as a tool to solve complex problems for leaders and the organizations they serve. This podcast is an ongoing project that explores questions of identity, perspective, self-awareness, and growth. It's intentionally unfussy about being pristine or perfect. You might hear a ringer go off in the background or a stutter step in a response, because that's what life is really like. It's imperfect. And if we take the time to see it and to understand it as such, we learn that the imperfections are actually quite perfect. This 10-part season was recorded to correspond to the reissue of my first book, Applied Empathy. In it, we will chat with leaders from all walks of life and learn how empathy plays a role in the work they do for their teams and for themselves. I hope it helps open your perspective and illuminates new ways of seeing the world. Today, I'm joined by Lauren Billy. She's a community builder, social justice leader, and entrepreneur. She's one of the people I've had the good fortune of watching evolve out of her corporate role at Lululemon and into a leader working on the ground level with some of the most progressive and necessary conversations happening in culture. Lauren, welcome to Applied Empathy. Thank you, Michael Ventura. What a nice introduction. (laughs) Thanks. Um, It's funny, you know, Lauren and I have known each other for a while, uh, and it's, it's been so nice when you get to see someone who they have that moment of epiphany and they realize at some point, wherever they are, whether that's in a job or at a moment in their life, when they say something needs to change. And then you kind of have a, uh, a box seat and you watch that change happen. And then, uh, for them, they don't often get to have the benefit of, of objectivity or, or to, to be able to see themselves through that evolution. But for me, it's been really cool to, to watch as you've, as you've found yourself in this epicenter of some of these really cool cultural movements. You've decided to kind of, you know, look out into the world and see what people are looking for. And the first one was mindfulness, uh, which is a topic that we've talked about uh, on Applied Empathy before and something that I think is, you know, still very much a, a, a hot topic in the world today. And you were on the ground floor with work you did with Lululemon, but also with The Big Quiet. After that, you moved into work supporting women's education and rights around reproductive and sexual health. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what you're doing around that today. Uh, But you're clearly someone who is not only good at spotting trend, but also understanding how to build authentic community around these topics. And so that's something I wanted to start to talk about with you to kick this off is that's something that I don't think can be done without empathy, without really being able to perspective take and put yourself in the shoes of other people. How do you view the role of empathy in the work you do? Um, well, I would love, can you tell me, and maybe you just did with that sentence, what your definite, I know that empathy is obviously a huge part of your work. It's everything to your work. Can you, what is your definition of it? Yeah. So we, we define applied empathy as self-aware perspective taking to gain richer and deeper understanding. Cool. Okay. And sorry, the question is, how do, how do I apply it to community building? Yeah. How do you see it playing a role in the work you do? Yeah. Well, I think, um, 
For one, it it starts with, and this goes back to mindfulness, but it, it starts with my own relationship to myself and all the experiences I've had. And as I grow and go through my human experience, I've just like, I've felt a lot of different things and been through a lot of different things and met so many different people that I, um, I just continue to be like shocked and rattled by how um, nuanced (laughs) um, everyone is and how nuanced every situation is and how many, um, you know, my perspective is literally just based on, on how I saw it that day. And, you know, even where like, the experiences that led me up to see it in that way and and even like what I ate that day and how my hormone levels were and the seven things that happened before that experience so to know that my life is that complex and that the way I walk through the world is then to realize that I'm one tiny tiny micro piece of this massive thing um you know I think has given me a lot of sense for um people aren't one thing (laughs) And um, situations aren't one thing, and I don't know very much. All I know and all I can control is kind of me and how I experience. And then, and then you know, once I can, and I guess my own embodiment, that would be a word I'd like to use. I can manage my own embodiment. And, um, and as I'm managing that, then I can start to create space, which obviously you do really well, um, particularly like in your healing work. But I, if I'm in, if I'm embodied, I can create space to allow others to step into theirs if they're not, or just, um, I guess, yeah, have empathy for where they're at and, uh, meet them where they're at. And I think, Do you, sorry, finish your thought. No, no. Um, all of that, <laughs> all of that allows me to like, okay. Well, in saying that everyone's different and there's not one thing, there's also these very core things that seem to be themes, which are like, everyone just wants to be, you know, connect and like be loved and be seen. And, um, and like, I think, you know, be creatively expressed or expressed. So I think in knowing those big central themes to humanity, while also knowing how intricate everything is, um, that has given, that is my like empathetic perspective that I apply to how I go through the world and how I go through the world is how I work. Do you, do you have to go into uncomfortable conversations with people in order to get to that place for them? Because I think one of the things that is difficult for people to do when they practice empathy is it's easy to empathize with people who are like you, right? Because you, by virtue of that, kind of know where they're coming from. And so you're cut from a similar cloth. And so having the kinds of conversations that might be um, a little difficult are, are made less so when you're talking with someone you know. But when you're talking with someone who may be coming from a completely different uh point of uh, a point on their journey from a health standpoint or from a different socioeconomic standpoint or from a whatever it is sometimes people pull their punches and are uncomfortable having those types of conversations but i feel like for what you do it is it is impossible to do what you do without having those kinds of conversations is that fair to say yes <laughs> so what is that like so like so if that like asking those types of questions, does it, does it make you uncomfortable? Have you gotten better at it over time? Is it still uncomfortable for you? What makes you ask them, even though it might be? Um, I think, think, great question. I think that 
Um, I, I'm in like a very sincere place where truly I have this like big heart and I just want to connect knowing the things that I just said in the last question. So I do think I have, I've gotten myself to a place where I can kind of, my ego can get out of my own way when I'm trying to connect with someone and I can, um, uh, so I come to it very open and I think that I actually, I find a lot of challenge in that because people don't trust it, <laughs> but it's very sincere. Um, I think because it's not very normal, you know, like, so, um, so that's, that's one challenge I have is like, I'm, I come with a very open spirit, you know, understanding, uh, like truly not with judgment, what with curiosity of difference and, and, and just that in itself is hard for most, for lots of people to trust There's that. And then, um, yeah, man, like people don't, I mean, sometimes I'm so shocked at even some of these big issues that I care deeply about. I'm just like, why won't anyone talk about it? Like, why isn't the government talking about how the country was founded? <laughs> how come no one says it out loud from the podium ever? And, and I'm just like, what is going, like, how could that happen? And I think it's just like, people are in the same way that like in evolution, we're protecting ourselves and survival. I think emotionally, you know, people are emotionally surviving and, and to feel uncomfortable, uh, you're vulnerable. So in the same way where you would do everything to like stay alive, I think emotionally people act the same way. So, um, yeah, so it's hard conversations. And then what, I don't know. I mean, I, I meet people where they're at and I, I, I'd say that, uh, I try to be patient and, um, I try to ask more questions, ask better questions. Um, and like, and pause and listen. And, um, it's hard because <laughs> I would say it's really challenging. Has there been, is there a good example of when it's gone wrong for you? Like what, where did, where did you like get it wrong if you did? And, and what did you learn from that? Sure. Um, I mean, I've, I've gotten it wrong with, um, well, with men. So, you know, I've like woken up to seeing, I was always really interested in, in race and white supremacy in America. And I felt comfortable as a white, or not, you know, it's very uncomfortable as a white person to like learn about that and think about it. But I, I was doing that work. So I was getting more comfortable with talking about it. And, and then I started kind of waking up to how patriarchy or, you know, gender is also a huge oppressive force. Um, everywhere <laughs> and even in a more ancient force than racism. And um, so when I try to talk to men and I'm actually really interested in, I'm really interested in people different from me. I know you said in the last question, like it's easy, but I, I kind of feel like in the same way that your body's supposed to like not eat apples every day. I feel like, I don't know, spiritually, I don't want to be around people like me. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like it's right. It's like a healthy or something. So I right. always pray to be around yeah, different perspectives. And, um, so I'm really interested in men because I'm so like, uh, I, I know what it, I'm thinking about being a, uh, you know, I, I identify as being a woman and I, I think about it a lot. And so I'm interested in hearing their perspective. So I would say that I, yeah, it's, um, hard, especially around kind of like when the me too thing came out, I had some close guy friends that I was just, I was experiencing like pain and like huge discomfort and they, and trying to talk about it. And I was hitting like big walls. And then I was angry because 
um, I wasn't being heard and seen like I talked about at the beginning. And, and I think, you know, and without them admitting it or to me, I'd say that they, um, they were feeling threatened and confused and, and, you know, about their own role in, in what, in what's happened in the Me Too movement. And, um, so yeah, I hit walls and I think there, something that I have learned as a very open spirit is that like people aren't going to meet me on the bridge. Like I, I'm always like, just meet me on the bridge. Like if we, if you meet me, you could trust me and and we'll go like anywhere together and you're safe and we can go deep and we can say whatever. But a lot of people, uh, because of what I just said about like, it's very, un- it feels unsafe to be that kind of vulnerable. A lot of people don't want to meet me there. <laughs> so I think that it's, that's a part that's a big lesson I've learned is that like it's okay if a good guy friend of mine will not meet me there and that it's not my job to like change his mind but kind of like uh, be uh it's like attraction rather than promotion so continue to like do my work and and stay true to my truth and trust that in time you know maybe we will maybe they will see me <laughs> and and maybe mm-hmm. they won't but um yeah So I had a lot of kind of tough times around the me too stuff with guy friends of mine. Well, it's, it's interesting because I think uh, a lot of us have that tendency, which is because we ask the question and are creating space for the answer to come back to us that we feel somehow obligated to help come up with a solution. If someone comes back to you with, with a problem and a lot of the time, they don't want your solution. They just want to answer your question, right? And I, I've, I've learned that the hard way too through a lot of the work we do, especially because I'm conditioned to solve as a result of my job, right? Like my job is, is a job that solves things. So when someone tells me they have a problem about whatever it is, the first place I go in my brain is, okay, how are we going to solve this? And I've had to recondition myself to say, maybe that's not why they're answering it, or maybe that's not what they're looking for from me, or maybe they just want to feel seen and heard. And that is enough of the solve, right? So I I hear you with that, that, you know, when you were having those conversations, particularly with men around that time, that sometimes their response or their lack of response is all that needed to happen uh, for in that time and place. Yeah, for me, yeah. I just wanted them to be like, "Oh man, I'm I'm listening." You know, <laughs> like I love you. Um, right. What do you need? And and but I yeah. And it I agree though. For me too, it's hard. I love growth. You know, I'm like, oh, like how do we? How do? You, oh, you feel bad? Like how do we? Like feel it, but then like how do we help you so you don't anymore? <laughs> and I think right. it's hard. Yeah. So that's actually, you hit on a good point with that, that I want to dig into. So you've been vocal about your own self growth in social media. You talk about it a lot. You talk about the stuff that people don't like talking about, about their own development and challenges they're running up against. And you put yourself out there bravely, uh, and, and share the issues, the ups and downs of your personal life. And it doesn't seem like that's always been easy to live so publicly. So why do you make the choice to do it? What do you like? What do you get out of it? What? what why is that valuable to you? Hmm. Uh. Well, I don't know if it's valuable. I just feel like it's the truth. Like, I guess 
Mm-hmm. That's what I mean is like I've passed into some zone where I, I truly am and I'm not trying to be I'm like really truly being authentic. <laughs> like I mean, like my work is really who I am. Like the branding is literally my art. You know what I mean? It's like I I'm very much being myself. So I'm just telling my story. And I think what I learned, I've been vocal about um being sober. And I've been sober in recovery for a long time, almost 19 years. And part of that process is very much about like telling the truth (laughs) about like who you are and doing a lot of work to look at who you are and why you do things and and kind of like letting go of the shame and the yeah the self-centered fear that holds you back from connecting with others and um you know i've read like this author says like connection is the opposite of addiction and i think you know we could look at addiction as lots of things um besides whatever drugs and alcohol, it could even be work or, you know, and, and I, I think, I think when I, when I'm not sharing who I am, I'm actually isolating myself from others. Um, so I, I've had a lot of practice at kind of like wearing my heart on my sleeve as just, just from being um, sober. And then uh, I, when I was building the big quiet, helping Jesse, um, I just got on stage and started doing what I've learned how to do, like tell the truth <laughs> And I just had such an incredible response from it that um, that I, I I could tell that it was the right thing to do. So I mean, like people literally are like thanking me regularly for for saying my truth. So yeah, that's why I do it. I don't know if I get. I actually feel kind of vulnerable, and it would be cool not to do it. But um, it's just very much <laughs> who I am, and I and I, <laughs> I mean, like it would be like way more chill if I wasn't like that. But it, like it's pretty emotional being me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's like not comfortable bring... being me. <laughs> mm. Right, I'm, and I think that that's true for I think that's true for a, a, a lot of folks, but they don't have the bravery to say it. You brought up you brought up the big quiet, and you brought up Jesse, and I think it's important to dig into that a little bit because I had some questions around that too. Um, you and Jesse uh, Israel, who uh, started this movement, uh, which became something called the Big Quiet, really started to become a way of inviting people into the idea of meditation and the idea of mindfulness and the idea of community without dogma, which is hard in that space because almost every mindful practice comes with its quote-unquote way of doing it. And I think you guys did a really interesting job of not creating a way, just kind of creating a container. And so maybe just for those folks who are listening who don't know what The Big Quiet is, tell us just briefly what it is and how that kind of uh, decision to make it a dogma-less space came to bear. Cool. Yeah, it was such it's such a beautiful experience that thing and and my relationship with Jesse. Um, the big quiet. He might have that different kind of tagline, but I'll say what I you know from my own words what it is. But um, it's you know ma- a massive meditation movement, a community um, for people to come together and connect through a variety of of tools like meditation and art and song and um or and music and and kind of in sharing stories so we would hold us we would hold a monthly gathering um hundreds of people would come it was at Sabrosa for a year or two and um a monthly gathering where hundreds of people would come and then um a more massive gathering 
a little less intimate because of how big it was, um, uh, kind of quarterly. And I know that he's grown it to even have a lot of, which is great. As you said at the beginning of the call, med- meditation and mindfulness is like a big, cool part of culture now. So he's been doing it um, to open up with like really mainstream musicians lately. So that's amazing. And, um, but what we did, why did we, I mean, I think for me as someone who's been in recovery, which is like a spiritual program, I'm definitely a, you know, agnostic slash atheist. And, um, but I'm, I, I pray and meditate because it's really helpful to me. (laughs) And I know that, um, without others with like others are like a power greater than myself, you know, like even whatever that feeling, I was just thinking about this, um, like if you're at a stadium and you're all singing a, a, like the seventh inning stretch or like, or if, 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 if you're at a, a president was just elected when, when you're in mass and you feel that energy of lots of people together, there's something bigger than you. And it's like healing and it's uniting. And, um, and it, it feels like very, I don't know how, but like innate and it feels like grace and something that my body really loves and craves. So, um, we just try to create those spaces in this more modern culture where you don't have to like say you believe in a thing or do you could just be reg you could just be like a regular city kid and also try and seek these uh, this grace and it was really cool because we got to so I think for me coming from like practicing meditation for a long time because of my recovery I was just so happy to meet Jesse, who's like a cool, normal guy who also meditated. Cause I always kind of didn't talk about that. I'm to the, to my main life, like my, my mainstream life that I was a meditator. So I was like, Oh, cool. And, and then I realized that my experience being sober and meditating and like learning how to hold space with lots of people around, around issues was really beneficial to us in building. Um, and then the other cool thing was we got to like meet a lot of other quote modern spiritual leaders like i think maybe you went to but we got to go to harvard divinity school to meet all these you know future leaders and and they were so different both religious and totally not and um but all holding like sacred space if you will for people regularly and we got to go there and and just mix and mash there was like a mashup of every special meaningful tool that both religious people and even like the soul cycle founders use to bring people together and um and then we got to like test it out at at our thing medi club and one of the cool things i'll like end this answer with is that um i realized i've never really i loved music but i've never like been i've never sang really because basically i thought i had a bad voice and um i never learned how to sing but i would go at harvard divinity school we would sing from different like um religion you know like every kind of few hours a different religious leader or or spiritual leader would like share one of their um rituals with us so we got to sing all these different songs and in all these different ways but it was so healing it was like sorry i didn't want to say that word it was it felt so good it made me feel so happy and connected and safe and like okay and i was like dude jesse we gotta start i think we should bring singing (laughs) let's bring singing to like our, our hip thing so we tested it and they're still doing it today. Like we started making everyone sing and it, it was really cool. And um, so, and, and then, yeah, I think like, I think there's something about like singing together, doing something in mass, um, silence, uh, just the energy that's created with all of us. That's, that's just, I don't know, remarkable. <laughs>
Yeah, no, it really is remarkable. I mean, you had rooms as large as Lincoln Center or you know, the the um, the the meadow in Central Park filled with people doing this stuff that for some it was their first time ever, you know, and now maybe they meditate daily as a result of that. And that's, I mean, that is a, that is a truly life changing experience for people as they go through it. Um, and for others, it's, it's just another experience on the journey of experiences. And, and it's amazing that the, the community was permissive enough for everyone to have their own experience with it. And I think that's, that's one of the, 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 cornerstones, I think, for what I've seen in the work that you've done is that you you create great containers for community to occur, but you still leave enough choose-your-own-adventure in there so that people don't get um, sort of caught on a path that they um, buck against or resist in some way. Yeah, so and that, I think that... that oops, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say that like goes back to me kind of saying even how I have empathy for others. Like, I think I just hold space as myself, but I say like, hey, this is myself and I'm just me. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's best for you or this is just truly my experience. Like, what's yours? And and I I lead like that, too. So I think, yeah, um, yeah that's I, I think that that has a lot to do with both my business and, and what we did at MediClub and the Big Quiet. And so, and even the politics stuff I do, I do politics too. Right. Yeah. The, the stuff with the arena, which has been really interesting. So the arena just for, for again, quick context is, uh, helping organizations, uh, helping leaders, um, start to organize is a better way of saying it, uh, political campaigns so that they are able to message and skill up in a way that they can take back the government that has been taken from many of us. Fair to say. Yes. Yes. Training yeah. the so next I, generation of civic leaders. Amen. So I want to I want to dig into a uh, a topic that I know is new for uh, for you because today is actually a big day. Um, it's we're recording this on uh, June nineteenth, and uh, today is a day that you are launching a new business. So I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about what it is and what you've been spending your time over the past year really developing. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Today we're launching All Bodies. And I'd say All Bodies is an unprecedented health platform. And we're creating a space to bring together, you know, really a holistic approach to um, giving people the, the information and the support to take the power and choice over their body and their health care. Um, and that's kind of abstract. What I mean is, uh, we're bringing digitally um, body literacy information in like a cool, easy to understand um, tone. So lots of content about the body, um, a marketplace of cool new products because there's so many awesome um, entrepreneurs who are innovating and making taking care of yourself from your own home easier and faster. And then um the last part is is practitioners. We're connecting people to um, vetted healthcare practitioners, both Eastern and Western, and ancient and um, and and we're just trying to make it really easy for people to see that one, they actually are the experts of their own body, and that um, with these tools, they can 
possibly like get closer to it and be listening to it and um, and seeing what's right for them. And, and B, um, we curated it for them. So we're saying like, you know, here's all this stuff. We vetted it. Um, here's the info. Like we will, will help you make the right, you know, build the right community of health support that you need. And, and we're focusing and starting with reproductive and sexual health, which is obviously a, um, you know, a massively underserved, um, issue and industry and, um, uh, has this huge energy behind it right now since kind of the election and the Me Too movement. So, so we're launching all bodies, um, starting with the niche, niche of reproductive and sexual health. And, um, it happens today and I've been working on it for so long. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So we're excited. It's kind of like take power over your body. Here's the stuff that you need to do. Um, here's the stuff that you need to, to, to take the power over your body. And we just want people to realize that they have more power than they, you know, often, um, choose to see and own. And that, um, you know, since kind of the healthcare industry, as we all know, has, you know, our country has been set up in all these institutions that aren't really working for us anymore. And they're so big. And um, I'd say we're disrupting them <laughs> and, um, and designing what we need for each other. So we're really excited. And we've had, uh, we started with some events to see kind of how, uh, New York would respond to to the idea of bringing all these pieces together for reproductive and sexual health. And we saw really tremendous results. Our first event had 900 people show up and that was all like grassroots community organizing. And, and the vibe was just amazing, kind of like similar to this kind of grace vibe that I was talking about around um, like spiritual communion. Um, but it, it was, it was even, it was like, there was this grace vibe, but also it was like a, there was a power because I think particularly for women or for like any, you know, non-hetero white male respect, um, like they just, they haven't had this power and this ownership over their space and their body ever. And, um, and people are like feeling that and, and starting to say like, no. And, and we were again, building a container both in real life and now digitally for people to like uh, pick up some tools as they're uncovering this um, awakening to their own uh, marginalization and, uh, and starting to take up the power. So yeah. here we go. It'll launch like soon after this call, I'll fix some more things on the website and, and we'll probably start rolling. What is the, what is the website's address for people who want to learn? Allbodies.com. A-L-L-O-D-I-E-S.com. Yeah, finish that. No, I was going to say, it's amazing that that URL was available. Also, we were talking about this before the call started because like, what a great way to organize, what a great two words, simple words that we all know, but like have not put together and said, yeah, this is, this is for everybody. Let's, let's have a real conversation about it. Yeah, we're excited. We think it's, Super cool. I'm excited for merch. And I think it gives us a lot, a lot of room to grow um, as we figure out, you know, you know, what your, what my product market fit is. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, allbodies.com and on Instagram and Facebook, it's allbodieshealth and um, launching today. Good for Check you. It out. I have two, I have 
<laughs> yeah, indeed, people will. And I have two last questions for you. Um, this one is this one is is uh, a bit future forward for you. It's something that uh, because I've kind of seen you grow in so many amazing tentacly ways over the over the years. Uh, when you look into the future of your career, when you look yeah, a decade out from now or more, what are two or three of the things you want to say you've done or are doing that you're not currently? Cool. Thanks for saying that. That's a good question. I'm so entrenched because as you know, as like an entrepreneur early stage, it's very, um, it's very, it's very intense. <laughs> I'm doing everything, me and my business partner. So, you know, I'd say one thing is that I built, um, I built an organization that is like, that's aligned with the values I believe in. And I led it from my authentic, you know, values based place that I can say that I can say that was real and that it made money and that it disrupted a lot of things that, that don't, that didn't feel right to me. Like, um, you know, economics <laughs> or like, or how our economics, um, run in, in our country and, um, the healthcare, the healthcare industry and kind of cultural feelings around the body. And, um, so I'd love to build that and then, and see what happens. But, um, that will have happened. And also I'd like to run for office. Uh, so my, my vision is that I will build this thing, um, you know, have it be successful. Um, it obviously, you know, reproductive and sexual health is intrinsic to both healthcare, which is a massive industry in our country and uh, policy. So ideally, you know, I'm, I'm disrupting and getting my hand in there and building relationships and building my name. And then um, after it's time to step away from the business, which is ideally thriving, <laughs> um, I will, I think I've I run for office. Amazing. 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 Uh, no, no shortage of ambition and, uh, and you've got my vote if you're in my district. <laughs> um, so thanks. Um, last question. Uh, I've asked everybody this who we've had on, uh, of late as we've been doing this, this special 10 part series. What is one thing you want to understand better? Hmm. I think, can I say two, two things? Sure. <laughs> two things I kind of haven't figured out. Um, or like that I, yeah, I'd like to understand, um, yeah, how to, how to earn trust and with really powerful people. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. I, you know, at this point I'm, I'm selling, I'm raising money, I'm selling my, my business. And I do find that that thing that I have that I do really well, that authentic thing. It, it isn't quite the right, it's not, I haven't gotten like my pitch or my positioning right for how I can be the most influential to those kinds of people. So I'm interested in that. And, um, but also still remaining authentic. And then also I'm, I'm really interested in partnership, love, monogamy, or I'm not, I, I'm, I'm unsure about monogamy <laughs> and I'm, I'm interested and I don't have a partner. Um, I would say like that's an area I've definitely explored, but I feel, especially as a woman who is really ambitious, it, I do feel like uh, kind of isolated from, um, I don't know, date, like, like as many, as much dating as I, as I would have if I wasn't as ambitious. So I'm, and I'm interested in kind of disrupting or just reexamining, like why, why marriage and, and why forever and, or, 
And and if so, are we sure about the monogamy thing? And and how is it is it possible to be in love and have physical experiences with others? I'm not sure. So I'm interested in learning more about that. Awesome. Great answer. Love that. Um, thank you, Lauren, uh, for, for just sharing your, your whole self with us. And, uh, for those of you listening again, allbodies.com is now live. Go check it out and take back some control of your own health. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you, Michael.